Kathy McNeely woke suddenly. For a moment, she was disoriented. She was instantly aware of the silence, and as she shook off the clinging webs of sleep, she thought it was the unusual silence that had awakened her, the absence of tearing winds and rain pelting the roof of her tent. Then she heard Survivor whimper, a kind of low moan back in his throat. The husky preferred sleeping just outside the entrance of her tent to the relative warmth inside. Kathy rolled halfway out of her sleeping bag and reached out to open the flap. Survivor was on his feet. She saw a tremor pass along his flank. The wolf howled again, startlingly close. The sound rose and peaked and died away. This time smaller yips and cries formed a muted chorus to accompany the soloist's soaring call. Kathy felt the hairs rise on the back of her neck, and a chill tickled along her spine. Carefully, as if afraid of shattering the moment, she eased out of her warm cocoon of polyester and down and crawled over to the opening of her tent. Just as she peered out, the wolf's long, haunting howl poured over her, and she froze in place. The first thing she saw in the pale light was a man standing naked at the edge of the river, knee-deep in the icy water, a bar of soap in one hand. Like her, Jason Cobb was transfixed, his head tilted slightly as he listened to the cry of the wilderness. Kathy stared, no more capable of averting her eyes than of closing her ears to the wolf's call. Cobb was a tall man, over six feet, lean and handsome and fit. His body seemed to catch all of the soft pre-dawn light, silhouetting him against the silver ripple of the river and the black bulk of distant mountains. Kathy thought of a 19th-century painting of a lone, naked savage pictured in the vast beauty of the western wilderness, an idealized canvas so extravagant and romantic as to seem unreal. The silence returned. Jason Cobb lifted his head. Across the thirty yards between the tents and the river, his eyes met hers. Kathy ducked back inside her tent. Her cheeks burned in spite of the cold. She slipped back into her sleeping bag, shivering with sudden anger. He had deliberately chosen to make her uncomfortable. She was annoyed with herself for the strength of her reaction, annoyed with Cobb for choosing to bathe so openly without forewarning her. Annoyed with herself, again, for the logic that told her he'd bathed in the middle of the night, precisely to avoid any discomfort for either of them. Such moments were inevitable in their isolated situation. You coped, that's all. She managed an occasional awkward sponge bath in the confines of her tent, preheating a pan of water until it was bearably tepid. She was compelled to admire Cobb's fortitude. My God, the river was freezing. At length, she began to smile in spite of herself, struck by the ridiculousness of the situation and her reaction. Far from sleep, Kathy listened for the spine-tingling cry of the wolf. Once, outside the tent, Survivor whimpered, as if he too remained awake, listening intently. But the long, mournful howl did not come again that night. For a long time, Kathy lay awake. The sky was fairly light, and she had to check her watch to make certain that it was still the middle of the night. During the heart of the summer, in their first weeks near the Arctic Circle, the sun had never set, and the absence of any darkness was disorienting, her body's clock unable to match its normal rhythms to the presence of the midnight sun.
With autumn, the night was beginning to define itself, and she had adjusted somewhat. Still, there were times, like tonight, when, after being awakened, she had no sense whatever of the time of day or night.